There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. Into the book of Psalms again. Psalms chapter number 49. Psalms chapter number 49. Now we've been doing that series going through the but gods of the Bible. We've about exhausted all of the Old Testament ones that I really wanted to cover. Some of these instances, the same theme is covered in two different places. So I haven't got every one of them, but but a lot of the messages would be very similar if I did. But we're going to go to Psalm chapter number 49. Psalm chapter number 49. And I want you to uh, look at verse 15. Let's stand. Psalm 79 And look at verse 15. Excuse me, Psalms 49. I hope you're not in 79. Psalms 49, 15. Psalms 49, 15. But God, there's been our theme where God interrupts our lives. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For He shall receive me Selah. Had an old preacher tell me that word Selah meant, what do you think about that? <laughs> and that's right. What do you think about that? For, let's read it together. Let's all say it. It's not that long. I know this old Bible's archaic and hard, oh, so hard to say, but let's say it together. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for He shall receive me Selah. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want to talk to you about, but God will redeem my soul when God interrupts our death. Amen. God interrupts our death. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you thanking you for amazing grace, Father. Thanking you for how you accompany us in this walk of life, how you show up on the scene in our day-to-day life and how you will see us safely to the other side. Oh God, I'm glad I got that great hope, that perfect hope in Jesus Christ. Not a maybe so, not a hope so, but the rock solid assurance that I am yours and you are mine, Heavenly Father, and one day I will see you. Father, I pray you'd help the truth of this text be conveyed uh, through what we have to say today. Father, we pray uh, for those that are here lost today who have not been redeemed, have not been purchased by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We pray that they would see their sinful condition and would flee the wrath to come and find Jesus Christ as their one and only Savior. Oh God, we pray you'd encourage the saint's heart. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. On March the 30th, 1884, a group of explorers who were mapping out the caves in and around Lookout Mountain, were, were, were out, out in this cave around Lookout Mountain. While doing so, they were frightened by the sound of deep groans and moanings. You imagine yourself in a cave? 
didn't think nobody's been in and you're there with your little lantern 1840 looking through that cave and all of a sudden you hear oh oh they were all startled by the sounds they began to follow the moans and groans and and ended up looking into a dark cavity on one side of the main cave when they when they followed these moans these moans come from two men that were lying in the darkness of that cave dying from starvation. Later it was revealed that the two men had entered the cave 13 days earlier in order to spy out the cave and search it out. They entered in with a single lantern and a bottle of oil. While exploring the cave, the leader uh, fell and was uh, uh, leader fell and crushed the bottle of oil and dropped the lantern in a hundred foot over over a cliff into some water. So they're deep in the cave, no light, no way to find their way back. The men for the 13-day period begin to try to feel their way back to the entrance of the cave to no avail. Soon dehydration and starvation caught up with them, and they curled up in a corner and were dying there in that cave. You see, yet in the last, Charlie Gower and Chris Schmitzens were rescued at the last moment. By their groans, the, these rescuers found them and were able to bring them out of the cave. They were brought out of that cave, out of that cave of death. You know, there are many a person by, that are in the same condition, although they're not blinded by the darkness of a cave. Or, or lost in a narrow passage of a cavern, yet they're doomed to a similar death. They're doomed to a yet even more horrifying fate than Charlie Gowan and Chris Smithson. The fate of, of eternal death and everlasting hell stare them square in the face. But just as we can recount the story of these two lost men who explored... listen. If they hadn't been rescued, I wouldn't have known about the story. Nobody had ever found out what happened to these two men. But because they were rescued, we too, from the clutches of the icy grip of death, and the, we too can recount the story of those that have been picked up, those that have been rescued from death, and recount their trail of how they dodged the torment of hell. You see, every one of us, can hold verse 15 of Psalm 49 as our own personal relief by following three instructions we find in this text. There are three things that I want you to see in this verse number 15 that, that would cause us to hold on to verse 15 as our own personal verse. The first thing I want you to see is this. Realize the rule of the grave. Realize the rule of the grave. Look at verse 15 again. It first of all starts out with, God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. Now in that we understand that the first thing that happened was the power of the grave. If God's going to redeem them from it, then actually the first state of this person is in the grip of this grave. Charlie Gower and Chris Smithson were trapped in a grave that they could not escape. Uh, on, on their own, they could not 
find a way out of that cave. So is the case with every man and death. None of us can avoid the reality of death. None of us can avoid its clutches. We are like Charlie and Chris. We're in this cave of life and there is no way we can avoid a certain death. You know, first of all, I want you to see that death cannot be bribed. Death cannot be bribed. Look at verses 6 and 9, 6 through 9 of our chapter in uh, Psalm 49. Look at verse 6. The psalmist is talking about the wicked and said that they trust in their wealth and boast themselves in multitude of their riches. None of them, listen to this, none of them can in, uh, by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious. It ceases not for forever. That he should still live forever and see not corruption. Here, David is saying, look at their wealth. Look at all the riches that the wicked have. And yet they cannot buy themselves out of corruption. They cannot bargain or bribe their way out of death. These verses point out the, uh, uh, that no matter what riches a man may possess, or uh, he cannot repay or redeem his soul from, uh, from another, or redeem the soul of another, or redeem his own soul. He has no ability. 1 Peter 1.18 says, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed, with corruptible things as silver and gold, or for your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers. Peter is saying, there's no amount of gold. There's no amount of money. Boy, gold's going through the roof these days. In economic times, everybody difficulty. Everybody's buying up gold. Listen, gold cannot save you from death. Gold cannot save you from perishing. Silver has no avail against the icy grip of death. The doing better and trying harder and living righteous cannot save you from certain death. No amount of riches or works can bribe death and hell. Ezekiel 18.4 says, Behold, all souls are mine, says God. As the soul of the Father, so is also the soul of the, of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. In Ezekiel uh, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Matthew 16.26 For what is it profit a man if he gained the whole world? If you own it all. If you own every square inch of this planet and this universe, you could not redeem your soul. What shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and let yet lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange of his soul? You see, de the demands of death, uh, death demands a payment that you and I cannot afford. We cannot afford this payment. No matter if we have the whole world, we could not pay our redemption's debt. It demands a perfect, sinless substitute that we in ourselves cannot produce. Peter said you're not redeemed with corruptible things, things that will rot, things that will rust, things that will be diminished over time. He said, no, you're redeemed by what? The precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and without blemish. And none of us are candidates. None of us are the anointed ones. None of us can produce such blood that can repay sin and avoid certain corruption and death. You see, death cannot be bribed, but also death cannot be beat. Look at verse 10 through 13 in our chapter. 
For he seeth that wise men die. Likewise the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations and they call their lands after their own name. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beast that perisheth. This their way is the way uh, this their way is their folly and yet their posterity approve their sins. Verse 12 said that all men die like the cattle in the field, like the animal that kills over dead. Men cannot stave off, men cannot beat death. The inward thought is that they'll live forever. In verses 10, in verse 10, it said that wise men, he, he, they die. Fools, they die. Brutish people, they die. And in verse 11, the inward thought is that they'll live forever. That's the thought of every man. That's the thought of every person, I, doubt, I dare say, sitting in these pews, that we will live forever. We rarely give thought to death, don't we? We, we, we put it to the back burners. Nobody likes to talk about death. Nobody likes to talk about the funeral, other than the creepy thing. Uh, you know, about, uh, I heard a preacher say one time that him and his wife, uh, him and his wife uh, uh, went out and they purchased uh, grave lots and grave sites and he, he told the congregation that that is what he's done, what he'd done and, and the lady, uh, the late, a lady came up and said, you shouldn't have done that. Now you're going to die. He said, I'm planning on dying. I don't plan on living forever. Listen, we're all going to die. We can't avoid it. We can't run from it. Charlie Gower and Chris Smithson did not know that their uh, holiday expedition they went out on St. Patrick's Day. Thought they'd have a jaunt in that cave on St. Patrick's Day in 1884. They had no idea that their, ho uh, their holiday tour and their holiday adventure would get them close to being killed. Nobody expects to die. Nobody wants to die. And yet, and yet day by day, People die, just go to the hospital and you'll, you'll see how fragile life is. How the flicker of life, the flame of life can be snuffed out in a moment. Death cannot be beat. It can't be avoided. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed a man wants to die, and after this the judgment. We each and every one of us have an appointment with death. One, uh, listen, he said, uh, once to die and after this to judgment. There's no second chances. I don't care what the Buddhists tell you. I don't care what the Hindu tells you that tells you get reincarnated and come back and you get a second shot at it, amen? And you might get it the second time and you keep trying until you get it right. There's only one shot, only one chance for life. Only one chance and then death comes. One shot, you either get it right, you got to get it right. Second Samuel 14, 14 says, For we must needs die, and as our water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Just like you would spill a cup of water on the parking lot out there, you can't collect it up. So is our lives spilt out and cannot be recollected. You can't do it again. One shot, and you can't beat death. You ever heard somebody, uh, maybe a stunt man say he, he's going to do a death-defying jump? Yeah, I remember old Evil Knievel when I was a kid. I loved Evil Knievel. He was the coolest man. I wanted an outfit just like him, but my parents couldn't afford it. But I loved Evil Knievel and how he'd sit them ramps up. And he'd and jump all over them cars. And they say, he's doing a death-defying stunt. Well, I want to let you know, nobody defies death. 
nobody defies death. It is going to happen. You see, that's the rules of the grave. The rule of the grave is, is that you can't bribe it and you can't beat it. Now, I want to see the second thing. Not only the rules of the grave, well, that's a pretty depressing point. Everybody say amen. That's depressing. Now, look at the second part. We see the first part of the verse now. But God. <laughs> you see, the only thing that can interrupt your death and the only thing that can interrupt the certainty of your death is God. But God shall redeem my soul from death. You see, first of all, I want you to see the, the, realize the rule of the grave, but also receive the redemption as a gift. You can't, you can't bribe death. You can't beat death. But yet God can. Amen. God can beat death. God has beaten death in Christ Jesus. God interrupts our death. But God will redeem my soul. Just as these explorers interrupted these men in their dying hour, so can God in the midst of your death, in the midst of your, uh, in your searching and groping in the darkness of this world. God can interrupt. God can bring the light and save you, redeem you from certain death. Notice first of all, an available gift. He said in verse 15, but God will redeem. But God will. But God will. The psalmist confidently announces that his fate will not be that of those earlier in the text. Listen, you read this whole psalm, it's depressing, man. Just talking about death and dreariness and oh, it's just awful. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, in verse 15, the psalmist says, Hey, but that's not me. <laughs> that's not going to happen to me. It's like one little diamond against a black velvet uh, stretch there. Hey, it's not going to happen to me. You see, this uh, gift was available. He said, no, God will redeem my soul from death. This leads us to believe that the redemption price that no man can meet, God can meet. Remember what we said earlier. He said, you can't have enough riches. You, you can't have enough wealth. You can't have enough stuff to be able to buy yourself out of the grave. No, all men die the way of the animal. All men chop over. Except the psalmist. He said, no, 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 no. I've been redeemed. I've been bought with a price. You see, God met the man. Ju the just and righteous demand of punishment on sin that God requires of each of us is met by God in Christ Jesus. You see, 1 Peter 1.18 says, yes, uh, no, yes, for corruptible things such as silver and gold cannot redeem us, nor by the vain tradition of your fathers, but by the precious blood of Christ, who is a lamb without spot and without blemish. The old preacher John the Baptist stood on the banks of the Jordan River and pointed, up, pointed a long bony finger and said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus is the gift. And He's an available gift. Available to be received by all. It's an available gift. God will. And then also, it's a, an acquitting gift. Redeemed. An acquitting gift. You ever heard the word acquit? Person standing on trial. And then it's proven that they're innocent or the debt has been paid. They'll be acquitted. The debt has been met. The evidence has been satisfied. The judge, is, they've been acquitted, free to go. That is us today. The word redeem here means to ransom or to buy. 
You see, God, by the blood of His dear Son, paid the redemption price for all mankind. Jesus on that old rugged cross. Oh, listen, he, it's just not some sentimental thing that Christians wear about their neck and put on top of their churches. No, Christ shed His precious blood on that cross as a judicial payment for our sin. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. But we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Listen to this. And He is the propitiation for our sins and not, uh, and not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. <laughs> the whole world. Jesus died and shed His precious blood. You take uh, that limited atonement and rip it up and throw it behind you. Jesus died for every sinful soul on this earth. He died for all sinners so that all can come to Jesus. There is enough ransom to redeem the whole whosoever world. Amen. Whosoever will, let Him come. Whosoever would deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, let him come. Whosoever will may come. But that payment must be humbly received by us for us. You see, you ever been, let me me illustrate this way. You ever been at a restaurant and notice two groups of people? Let's say we got a table of women on lunch break right here. And they're having lunch together. And the the, the waitress comes with the ticket and says, okay, here's the bill, and they didn't separate it out. You'll find every one of them women grab for a calculator and start dividing that thing up. You owe that much, you owe that much, you owe, and add it up. They'll, they'll do it that way. But you get a group of men together on this side of the table, they will fight each other to pay for the check. I'll take that. I'll get that. I'll cover it. I'll pay for it. They, they don't want to divide it up. They want somebody going to pay it, you see. And, and, and when men do that, in order for the bill to get paid, every other person on that table besides one is going to have to humble themselves and say to the waitress, he's going to take care of mine. You see, that's what Jesus did on the cross. And in order to have this redemption, a qualified charge to our account, a pay our debt, then we have to humbly receive it. We have to, now a lot of us, for pride's sake, will say, no, no, give me that check. I'll pay for it by myself. Give me that check. I'll pay for it myself. I'll work a little harder. I'll I'll do this. I'll pay money. I'll give and I'll build and I'll I'll do this. And what they find out is when they got to cash the check, it's more than they can pay. That's what you find out on Judgment Day. That's what the wicked find out standing before God. It's more than they can bear. They can't pay the payment. But for us here, if we will humble ourselves. What did James 4? James chapter 4 says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. He'll save you. You can't have salvation in your pride too. You've got to humble yourself. Repent and believe upon Him. You see, uh, that's what happens in, in there. We, we must uh, allow Christ to pay our sin. That We must receive that this blood payment on the cross was for our sins. Then and only then will you be acquitted, cleared of the debt. Hey, if you want to pay the debt on your own, God is more than willing to let you pay it. If you want to, God will let you have it. Listen, the children of Israel, God could have stopped them from going into idolatry. God could have stopped them from erring and turning against God's law. But God said, if that's what you want, that's what you can have. If you want to pay for your own sins, God will let you do it. 
If you want to, uh, to strive and to work and to climb your way to heaven, God will let you try. But according to this Bible and according against the Word of God, you will not achieve. You see, it is an acquitting gift, a gift that clears us of all charges. And then finally, it's an acquiring gift. Look at what he said in verse 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. Notice what it said. God will redeem my soul. God will redeem my soul. You know, slave traders used to traffic, and by the way, still do. You'd be horrified to know how much trafficking and slavery still takes place in these days. But, but slave traders would traffic, buy, and sell the bodies of people in our country in ages past, but never their soul. Realize that? That they could buy and sell and trade these slaves, but they never purchase their soul. For possession of one's soul is to possess the whole person. If you own, if you own someone's soul, if you own their spirit, if you own all of them, then they are completely yours. Slave owners may possess a body, but cannot possess a soul. That's what was in the slaves of our region. That, that soul, that longing for freedom that man can't take away. Here we find that same is true. Is that God can redeem a soul. God can buy a soul. But God's redemption payment means that we are completely His. Body, soul, and spirit completely His. He said He'll redeem my soul. That means God is the possessor of all of you. God just didn't buy your church life when you came to Him. God just didn't buy your family life. God just didn't buy your work life. It is all or nothing when it comes to Jesus. It's all or nothing when He buys you. He buys you lot, stock, In barrel, the precious blood of Christ is able to redeem not only the body and not only the spirit, but the soul of man as well. That is, He is now Lord of our lives. You may not recognize... A lot of people talk about make Jesus Lord in your life, and I kind of get the idea. I know what they mean, but whether you recognize it or not, Jesus is Lord of your life. You don't make Him Lord. He always has been. You either submit or rebel to that Lordship. You see, when He buys our soul from the cross, He purchases us lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, Lock, stock, and barrel. Our lives are not our own anymore. He is owner and possessor of all of me. You see, this is the gift of redemption that is to be received humbly. A lot of times, like just like those men around that table, many men are unwilling to let somebody pay their debt. Many people are unwilling to depend on somebody that died 2,000 years ago on a cross to pay their sin debt. But the truth be known, we must repent. We must receive Him. Receive Him as ours. Humbly receive Him as our payment. We first of all, in order uh, to have Psalm 15, 49, or, uh, 49, 15, our verse, our relief uh, over the grave, we must first of all realize the rule of the grave. Receive the redemption as a gift. And then finally, rely on the reception of grace. 
Notice, I think this is the sweetest part in the whole verse 15. Look at the last part of it. For he shall receive me. He shall receive me. That's the most wonderful line in the whole psalm. Uh, the, the thought concerning uh, of salvation in the Bible that God will receive us. We who were by sin, rejected by God, and handed over to death and hell for judgment are now received, welcomed, embraced through the merits of Jesus Christ. We who were defiled in our standing, sinful in our actions, depraved in our nature are now received by a righteous and holy yet merciful and gracious God received. We were on the outside looking in. We were in the cave lost and on our way to hell. There's no way to get out. And the light of the gospel breaks the darkness and we are received by Him. What glorious thoughts are these to be received by Jesus, received by a holy God. First of all, I want you to see a paternal reception. Paternal. You know what the word paternal means? It means fatherly or familial, paternal. We are received by a loving father. In in much of family life today, fathers are missing. Fathers are missing. They're MIA in many of our families today. And because of that, many people don't know what it's like to be received by a loving father. Uh, Listen, to be received by a father that loves, protects, trains. We don't know what what it's like to be received by such a father. But no matter what kind of reception your earthly father will give you, it cannot be compared by the reception of a heavenly father who is righteous and holy, yet is merciful and gracious and long-suffering. The sweetest words of the disciples' prayer is the first two. Our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father. We can look to Him as our Heavenly Father. John 1.12 says, But as many as receive Him to them, gave He the power or the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Romans 8.14 For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18 Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Why? And touch not the unclean thing. Why? And I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters saith the Lord Almighty oh to be received by a heavenly father to come to him and be received as his child Galatians 3 26 for ye are all children of God nope by faith in Christ Jesus have you ever heard him on the TV well we're all God's children you ever heard him say that well we're all God's children and I hate to I hate to break it to you that's not the truth We are all, maybe could be counted as His offspring by creation, but not all of creation is His child. We are His children by virtue of faith in Jesus Christ. I think the sweetest verse of all that pinpoints this truth of a paternal reception, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Oh, the sons of God. 
that God receives us as children, as sons and daughters of Himself. It's a paternal reception. And then finally, it's an eternal reception. Let's not forget about our context. You remember the context? They're mainly talking about death. They're mainly talking about the demise of life when it all is over with. And, and this, this verse, like I said before, is like a diamond shining against the black velvet darkness of death. Upon reception of the Lord Jesus as our Savior, not only are we received here and now, here and now by Him, but we are also are guaranteed also a reception in the hereafter. Barring the rapture of the return, church, the return of Jesus Christ, where Christ promises that in an hour, which we don't suspect, Jesus will come and will retrieve His church from this world, those that are alive and remain will be caught up. They'll never taste death. They'll be like Elijah caught in that chariot whisked away to meet the Lord in the air. Barring the rapture, every one of us will die. As much as I've preached that God will redeem my soul from death, the psalmist here, whoever it is, maybe it was David, maybe another psalmist, Asa, they lie cold, their body, their physical body lies cold in a grave. Every one of us, barring the, the rapture of the church, will die. We'll, each and every, every one of us will have our bodies placed in a grave. Yet our soul and spirit will be with Him. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says we are confident. I say willing. I love that. I read that today. He, Paul said, I am confident. Yay! Willing. Rather, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. When we pass away from this world, when we leave this mortal shell and our body falls to the ground and is put as a seed into the ground, our consciousness, our soul, our spirit will be before Him. We'll be with Him. Listen, you can be assured that those loved ones that knew Jesus Christ in saving faith are beholding the face of God. That they are with Him. And you can have assurance, whatever may come, whatever gruesome accident may cause your exit from this world, you can be confident, absent from this body, present with the Lord. Those that refuse Christ, redemption, they will be as the rich man and shall lift up their eyes in hell. You listen to me today. You reject so great a salvation, you will pay your sin down on your own. And the price tag is eternal torment in a lake of fire. You, you, you a disgrace and you refuse so precious a salvation as Christ on the cross. You will endure the torments of hell throughout all of eternity. You want to pay for your sin? You can do it. But for those that have put their trust in the Lord Jesus, Jesus said in John 14, 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not, were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And listen to what he says. And receive you unto myself. What did our text say? Hi. He said, my soul has been redeemed from the power of the grave and He will receive me 
I don't think there's a better picture in the Bible than that of the prodigal's father and the wayward son. Do you remember the scene? How that the prodigal went into a far country, spent his living on, uh, spent his money on riotous living. He finally, as old Mace Jackson said, he kicked the pail, jumped the rail, hit the trail on the way back to the father. When the father saw him afar off, what did he do? It was unheard of for men to do this. He pulled up his skirt and took out the run to meet his son. He took out to greet him, to receive him. He wrapped his arms around him, smothered him in kisses as tears of joy fell upon his son. That's the reception of heaven. Amen. That is the reception we'll find in Jesus Christ in Him alone. He will receive us. Not only that, remember that old body that's in a grave? rotting corpse, the dusty bones, they'll not stay there either. He redeemed us body, soul, and spirit. Our corruptible bodies on that great resurrection day shall be raised as Job said it in Job 19.26 And though my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Though worms devour this body six feet under the ground, yet in my flesh on that great resurrection morning, I'll see Him in my flesh. I'll stand before Him. You see, He redeemed me, paid for me, body, soul, and spirit. He has redeemed my soul from the grave. He will receive me. What a reception. What was it that brought about the rescue of these two explorers. You remember that? Remember old Charlie Gowan and Chris uh, Schmitzen? What brought about their rescue? A faint cry. Oh, remember what I told you about? Explorers in that cave searching it out with lanterns. And all of a sudden a haunting cry from a side room. And they follow the cry and they find these men there and retrieve them. It said in the article from 1884, it said what a joyous occasion that they were reunited with their family. Everybody began to rejoice as they gained their health. But what was it that brought them that sound? What was it brought them and got the attention of the explorers? That faint cry, that humble cry that says, Oh God, help me. Oh God, save me. Oh God, help me. Save me from this condition. You see, Jesus is here by His Spirit today seeking and saving the lost. You know, He never stopped. (laughs) He never stopped. Jesus said, I am come to seek and to save the lost and He never stopped. He's in the highways and hedges here today. He's in churches all over this city, all over this state, nation, and world seeking to save the lost. Listening for the groan of dying souls. Are you here today without Christ? Why don't you call upon, what is it Romans 10, 13 says? Call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. It's not like, hey Jesus, will you save me? It's not that. It's that desperate cry, oh God, save me from my condition. Oh God, receive me unto yourself. Oh God, redeem my soul from the grave. You see, we receive the blood, but we must receive the blood of the cross as our own. Plenty of blood. I was in the jail at Dade County yesterday. I had preached two other services to the men and there was finally the ladies group. I was tired. I really didn't want to be there, to be honest with you. And uh, I went in and two ladies come in. Oh, great. You know, just two ladies come in. We began to take up prayer requests and one of the 
ladies begin to mention how that her aunt was dying and her aunt was the one that cared for her six children. And she herself, she said, I had been most of my life live in, in, as, as a homeless. She'd been a prostitute on the streets of Chattanooga. Somehow she was making her way through Dade County and ended up getting arrested, put in jail. She said, God must have me here for a reason. I went and preached that message about how that God will shoot an arrow and showed her that God's wrath was pointed at her. She began to break down and in tears of sorrow, she had been a prostitute all those years. She had wandered away from God. She had fallen into the trap and the clutches of sin. Death had overshadowed her. Oh, but Christ is able to redeem. She wept her way to the foot of the cross and put her trust in the Lord Jesus. I don't care where you, I don't, how, I don't care how deep and dark your cave is. His ear ever attendeth our cry. He can't hear you if you but come and receive him today before it's too late. While there's, while there's life within your body, while you have a moment to call upon the name of the Lord, do so today. Don't put it off. He may not pass by again. My spirit will not always strive with man. Maybe that point of no return. Remember Jesus, we studied on Wednesday nights how He went back not to a certain cities because they would not receive Him. He had produced so many miracles, so much uh, revelation, and they refused Him yet. He may not be back your way. Let's all stand as we have a song of invitation. Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking in the building. I wonder, are you in a cave? Oh, not now. You're in a church right now. I know that. But as far as your spiritual self, as far as your need of Christ, are you in a dark cave, groaning and groping and moaning, trying to find your way out when it's to no avail? You can't find the way out. And you've resolved just to lay there and die, just like Chris and Charlie. Just lay down and die. Oh, listen today. There's a light breaking through the darkness. Christ Jesus, the gospel of Christ, how he suffered and bled and died on your behalf. Would you not receive him today? Would you not say, Oh, Jesus, have mercy upon me. Oh, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. He is plenteous in mercy. His mercies are as high as the heaven. If any man come to me, I will in no wise cast out. Oh, come to Jesus today. Don't put it off. Maybe you're here today and say, Brother Ronnie, I've never put my trust in Jesus. I don't know Him as my Savior. I've never been received. Would you lift up your hand? Let me pray for you. you care enough about your own soul? To say, Brother Ronnie, pray for me. Would there be one to be honest enough for yourself and say, Brother Ronnie, I don't know the Lord. Oh, maybe you were afraid to raise your hand. If you'll call upon Him today, He'll save you. I take it that most of us here today on this Sunday morning know the Lord. Oh, but how long has it been since you've lost your shout? Since you've lost your song? Miss Tara hadn't stung, stood and sung since her mother passed away. Lost that song in that time of sorrow and mourning. Maybe you've lost your song. Maybe you've lost your rejoicing. Well, I about had a time. It didn't come out, out here like it did in the study this morning. But I about had a time at that reception. Him wrapping his arms around my sinful body and receiving me unto himself a reception that I could never buy. But God graciously provided in the cross of Jesus. Oh, I will glory in the cross of Christ. Let us survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. And my richest gain is count as loss. And pour contempt on all my pride. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
for the redemptions in Christ Jesus. Maybe in this invitation song, you'd like to come back to this altar and say, God, I want my song back. I want to come skipping out of the, out of the cave of my death once again. Oh, listen, I, I want to celebrate the fact I'll never be in the icy grip of death. Maybe you'd like to come as we sing a song of invitation. Kevin, what song are we singing? I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand.